Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 137 of The Yacking Show. This is a show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we live in, and it's certainly changing. As always, we have interesting guests, and I've had the pleasure of speaking today to today's guest once before, and I can assure you she is interesting. But it's not my job to introduce our guests. Kathleen does it so much better than I do. But first, let me give Kathleen a plug. She wears several hats, and one of her big hats is uh, company called Kerry Tech Solutions, where she helps you solve your IT recruiting and development needs. So if you need something in that area, contact Kathleen. And a quick plug for me, my book is back in print. So those of you who've been waiting to buy my book, if you go to the link under this video in the description, you can buy my book. Enough for me. Hi, Kathleen. How are you today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for that intro. And thank you also very much for tuning in to our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Donna Needham. Hello, Donna. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kathleen. Nice to see you. Nice to see you back again, Donna. (laughs) So, Donna, you are an author, you're a podcaster, and so much more, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But first, can you you say that you've had a fortuitous life? Can you tell our audience a little bit about your background? It's a very diverse background. Um, I've been a disc jockey, a model. I've worked on television shows. I've worked as an extra. I've been an insurance claim adjuster and a supervisor. I've been a stepmom. I was fortunate enough to marry a man who um, loved me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've, so now I'm a widow. I've been divorced. I mean, I've had this whole gamut. And really why I say it's fortuitous is because that's allowed me to be able to do what I do as far as a writer and as a podcaster. So it's a blessing, even though sometimes things aren't always perfect, it's allowed me so many rich experiences in my life. Very good. Very good. Now we've got to tell our audience, you, you, you grew up in New Orleans. So what was that like? Um, growing up in New Orleans, um, it was the 1970s. So things were a lot different. I ended up moving to Shreveport, which is in the same state. Uh, for some of the people that don't know, Shreveport is in northern Louisiana, and there's a culture shock, voice, you know, dialect is different, everything is different, especially back then. But growing up in New Orleans in the 70s, let's just say I, I could get into a bar with no problem, and I was, I think the first time I went to a bar was when I was about nine years old. Not that I was drinking, mind you, but I mean, you would never think of a nine-year-old being in a bar, but um, yeah, I, my grandpa used to go fishing. Uh, He would go trawling. I watched him make his nets from hand. So that was something a different, you know, different experience. And my dad was a New Orleans firefighter and he was a car mechanic. So he used to work on imports. So I got to experience all these different cars, Mm -hmm. but really childhood in the seventies, you could ride in the back of a pickup truck and nobody would say anything. Uh, When I, when I helped my dad at his shop, he had this, this huge oil, you know, barrel that he used to have me pump oil out of it. And now I think back and I'm like, that was not the safest thing to have your kid do. But I mean, I grew up in a very, it was a very different time back then. And, you know, I can say I I saw, I think my first drag queen at the age of nine, because at Mardi Gras, you were in the French quarter, they had this big drag show and, you know, you would see some other things you shouldn't see as well, but it was very open. It was a very different 
open culture and going to Straightport, it was more of a religious culture mm -hmm. then. So uh, growing up in New Orleans, I would say it was pretty interesting. There wasn't a lot of, I mean, everybody's like, oh, the woo-woo. Well, sure, my mom used to take me to get her cards read and I would peruse the shop, but it wasn't that it was, there was voodoo and all this other stuff. It's not all this mystical stuff. It's really a lot like a normal city. It really is. And then somewhere along the line, you moved to Chicago. Is is that right? Uh, I went, yeah, yes, it is. I went from Shreveport to Dallas to Indiana to Chicago oh. to New Orleans, back to Chicago. Wow. So yes. <laughs> and then you settled there for a while, and I've been here for about twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven years. So what yeah. motivated the move to Chicago? more opportunities to be an actress. Uh -huh. I was taking some acting classes down in New Orleans and I was majoring in uh, drama with a, a minor in communication broadcasting because I had already been a disc jockey at two different locations, hence why I do podcasting now. But um, I had an opportunity to come up here and there was more opportunities to be an actor, more, more learning experiences. So I decided I'm just going to uproot. At that time I had left my husband for about a year before I had been in college a little bit. So it was just like, I needed a change. New Orleans wasn't home anymore. And I know people are like, I love New Orleans. It wasn't home for me. I missed Chicago and I had only been here for like nine months, but I missed it. So I wanted to come back. Hmm. How so. did you, I want to ask you about the start of your movie career in a moment, but uh, like me, you moved from a warm climate to a cold climate or well, cold winters. I mean, you're not far away from where we are right now across the lake. So uh, did you adjust to that quite well? I hate the heat, oh. <laughs> to, be, to be quite honest. And, uh, and, and now as an older person or an oldish person, um, I, I don't tolerate heat very well. So, I mean, for me, I I, I, I've always had baby fine hair and it's like, I could, unless I had like a ton of Aquanet in the eighties in my hair, my hair. It, so it was concrete. So <laughs> if I went outside, my hair would just fall because it was so fine. And it's just the heat. I mean, as soon as you walk outside, the humidity. And honestly, during the summer, if I go outside my house more than a couple of times, you know, that's it better be shady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, so Got to tell our audience how you started in the movie industry. I, I understand you were an extra in one of the Julia Roberts movies, right? And that started your career I, I, in movies. I was kind of already dabbling. I mean, uh, I, I, that was my first big extra thing. And I got in this cattle call with a bunch of different extras and they were picking people. And I'm like, okay, it was for my best friend's wedding. And I was like one of the last people to be picked. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to get very far. I'm not going to be seen. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be an extra. And I actually am in the scene. You can't see me. They blurred out all the extras, but I know it's me. Um, <laughs> when she jumps out of the, the bread truck to run into the union station me and this other girl are walking and I, I i often look at this and laugh because you know they want they want movies to seem realistic anybody that is walking the street and suddenly somebody pulls a bread truck up to the side of the road and jumps out and runs do you think anybody's just going to keep walking do you think everybody's <laughs> just gonna be like, oh hi how are you doing no but that's what they wanted us to do so i did that and i worked in that movie in several different capacities oh. and really if 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 anything, that taught me I didn't have to be on screen because what ended up happening is they needed people to have cars. And 
I had a PA ride. I was a lead car in a couple of scenes and I had a PA in the car with me. And at a certain point, because I was, I had known what he was doing and I started being able to cue. He's like, you got this. I'm going to get out now. You can handle this. He's like, if you ever want to be a production assistant, let me know. Well, at this point I had already auditioned for a TV show that never made it to air, but it, I landed the role and eventually it went through many different facets and I ended up doing smaller parts, but I ended up doing the line producing job for it. And not only line producer, because it was such a small independent project, I did, I don't know how many jobs and it was 24 seven. I mean, I was script girl. I was, I was an extra to do smaller scenes, small acting scenes. I was payroll. I was, you know, catering. So it was like, I did all these things. And because I did the, that on my best friend's wedding, it kind of allowed me to see that I could do this. I worked on two other films as an extra. I never really pursued the acting thing as much as I wanted to up here. It got to a point after the TV show, it was kind of like, well, you can choose to pursue your dream or you can choose to have financial security. So mm -hmm. I kind of lucked into being an insurance person. So. Wow. Well, let's let's change gears a little. Now that you, you at this time, we're, we're going to talk about your podcast. So what led you to start the Better Two podcast? What was the premise behind that? And what type of guests do you like to interview on that show? The Better Two podcast, um, for years, my friends, because of my background as a disc jockey and because of my voice, I had many friends tell me that I should do a podcast. And I was always really hesitant. And my husband, I kept trying to get my husband to do it because it's like, I don't want to do this by myself. And then he passed. And last year there was a gentleman who was doing a podcast that was 365 days of fear. What he would interview one person each day talking about their fear. Mm. So my fear was about losing my husband. And the one thing I told my husband when I, when I started dating him was because he was sick. He, he wasn't really sick, but in his mind, he was like, I'm, I may die tomorrow. Okay. We had 16 years, so he didn't. But I told him at that moment that it was better to love him and lose him than never to have loved him at all. So after I did that interview, I started thinking, I was like, well, better to, my book series is the better to burn out series. And I'm like, and I didn't put the two together. I wasn't that I was marketing myself at the time I was not. So I was like, well, let me look up better too, because I think everybody has a better to moment, a moment where you can look back and reflect and go, should I have done this or should I have done that? So I Googled it. I got six pages in some were serious, some were ridiculous. And I'm like, you know, you could do a podcast about this. And that's what I did. I turned it into a podcast because like I said, everybody's got that better two moment. And the thing about my show is it's unscripted. There's no questions. Every, well, there are questions, but the questions come based on the conversation. I ask my guests what for a better two moment. And then we run the gamut. It's like sitting down with somebody, a total stranger at a coffee shop, what information and what conversation where it goes is up to the response. Is so, it is it also about regret, Donna? Is it is it I, delving I, into people's regrets that they? I don't think the, the thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I don't think it really. The people I've talked to, most of them don't regret their choices. That's the interesting thing. Even even the person I, I talked to a lady about, she was a cheater, and while she may have some regrets, it's like most people that that go through it and look at their regret they ultimately see the life lesson that they got out of it. And there is no regret. 
because they see the growth that they had, even though at the time it may have seemed like, wow, I really screwed, screwed up on this one. But ultimately they look at the bigger picture and they say, well, look where I'm at now. I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have went through that. I would not be the person I am had I not gone through that. So really it's a podcast, a lot about growth. Mm-hmm. So right. US, go ahead. Over to you, Peter. Over to me. Sorry, that was my phone ringing in the background. <laughs> Shouldn't pick up on here. I haven't got anyone to answer it right now. So you, from when I was on your show, I know, I know it was an experience I thoroughly enjoyed. So I'm putting a plug here. Anyone else out there who wants to get on Donna's show, go for it. Um, you've obviously introduced some, in, interviewed some really interesting people. Um, so tell us some of the, the stars, if you like, or some of the most unusual people you've had on the show. No, you don't have to give away personal details. I'm just talking about characters and experiences and that sort of thing. I mean, I have interviewed some interesting people and it's interesting the shows that get the biggest downloads. But I mean, I interviewed a male model and that was somebody, well, most people are like, oh boy, a male model. This, this gentleman, in fact, I interviewed two male models and one of them was going to walk away from a contest that his wife at the time was his girlfriend and his mom were like, you need to enter. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. So he snuck in to enter. And then he was like, I'm going to go surfing. I don't want to sit here and wait. So they brought him in. He screwed up his, his audition. And, and then he ended up when they were doing his exit interview, they were like, no, 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 stop. Come back. And he ended up winning out of 40,000 people. He ended up wow. winning. And I'm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but we didn't just talk about modeling. We talked about surfing. We talked about, and the other male model, he originally is from Israel and he moved to Italy after his mom died. And he's a, he was a competitive cyclist. And, you know, there was all these little different things. And, you know, I have an interview coming up in the not too distant future with a gentleman who was the bodyguard for the prime minister of Australia. And he's got a very interesting story about uh, depression and how it almost took him out. So, I mean, I can sit here and, and rattle off guests. I've talked to musicians. I've talked to singers. And, you know, I talked to Peter and Peter had quite an interesting story. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's when I when I when I log in to talk to somebody like yesterday, I talked to a lady about perfectionist being a perfectionist. How many of us can relate to that? You mm-hmm. know, and and the things that I've learned from the podcast, like this gentleman was talking about expectations once. And I realized that sometimes we look at other people and we put our expectations on how they act. And that's something that can be very toxic for us. Mm-hmm. So besides hoping that people that are listening get something from it, I'm getting something from it because it's learning. I'm learning things. And that's, that's a gift in itself. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's what Kathleen and I find. Now, I've got to tell you that we started this in March last year, the beginning of the, the virus thing, right. uh, for, for a couple of reasons. That everyone we were talking to was down in the dumps and full of gloom and doom. We said, let's put a bit of light into people's lives, point one. And secondly, a lot of our business contacts in the immediate area where we live, the couple of cities we're close to, had lost out on networking and their businesses were in trouble. They couldn't promote themselves. They couldn't, didn't have budgets for big ticket advertising. So we said, let's try and give them some exposure. And I think we succeeded in both. But what we, what we found was we had so much fun that we couldn't stop it. <laughs> and, yeah. um, we've met, we're on 137 episode now. We met all sorts of interesting people. And uh, it's something that took on a life of its own and um, 
and we're going with it and we're learning so much, all the interesting people we talk to. So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. I hear what you're saying. Is there a, any common thread that would run through your guests that would make them exceptional, would you think? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's an, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I don't know that there's one thread. I think that other than, how do I say, we're all human? we're all flawed. We all have lessons that we've learned. And one thing that I've noticed that we all, we're all trying to break out of a box that we've been put in, in some facet, you know, and I know that doesn't make sense for some, but we all have a label, whether it's our skin tone, our marriage status, our relationship status, you know, the fact that you're a certain age, your hair color. I mean, we're always labeled and everybody I think is trying to break out of that. I mean, recently I interviewed a gentleman who was adopted. Everybody's like, oh, adoption's wonderful. And I'm not saying it's not, but at the age of eight years old, he had abandonment issues that haunted him for 42 years of his life until he met his birth mother, which wow. then it turned out that his birth mother had married his birth father. And he actually had two siblings, but they wow. were in high school when she got pregnant with him. So, I mean, it was a pretty powerful journey for him. And he had turned it into, he, he, he said it himself, he was a functioning alcoholic. And if that relates, if somebody else can relate to that, you know, we're all flawed. And I think that's the biggest thing that if someone can see that on the podcast, that that's the biggest string is that we're all flawed mm -hmm. and that we have to forgive ourselves. I mean, that's the a major thing that we don't do. We try to live up to other people's expectations. We try to live up to perfection. That's never going to happen because perfection is not real. Mm -hmm. And so you have to find a way to forgive yourself and be human and be you and not get caught up in the daily drama of life, the news or whatever, because if, if you let that, that can take you down. And that's not even something that you have control over. Mm -hmm. So that's right. <clears throat> no, you're you're preaching to the converted here. Yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. I, I got I got to tell you, I got rid of satellite TV something like eight years ago, and I live on a farm, so with just an antenna, I can get I don't know three stations, which I never listened to. And then a year ago, I even got fed up with Netflix and got rid of that. And I, the only only TV service I have, apart from one local channel, which I don't, or two that I don't watch, is something called uh, Acorn TV, which is full of British and Australian programs. And with my background, um, yeah, I really enjoy some of that stuff. And and that's it. And cut my TV right down, watch, listen to local news in the morning, and read a bit of stuff on the internet. Try and keep out of the doom and gloom, you know. And you know what? Yes, I, and I need to learn some lessons from Peter on that score because I, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You get so swept into this vortex if you, you, you allow yourself to be inundated with all this these messages, right? So I, I need and, to break away from that. And that's the one thing I was going to say. If we go back real quick to growing up in the '70s, mm -hmm. you didn't have the internet, you didn't no. have the cell phone, you had no. all the freedom in the world to not have somebody. You know, if you, your parents were going out, they would leave the the restaurant phone number with the babysitter. Yeah. There yes. was not. Oh, I'm going to call you, and you could actually sit down and have a conversation over dinner. It wasn't like right. text you. I mean, <laughs> and and when you think about it, there's so much stress. I love my phone. Don't get me wrong. I I'm guilty of being on my phone. But there's so much stress incorporated into our lives now that yeah. you have kids suffering from stress at such an early age where they're not getting to be children like we did. 
That's right. I, I got it. It's your show, but uh, you said something about uh, pumping oil in your dad's workshop when you were nine or something. When I was about 12, my parents went off to some function at a hotel and um, <clears throat> they said there's, there's, we had pigs, hogs. They said, uh, can you go up? And it was quite a long walk through the dock to the pigsty, as we called them. It weren't in bonds and check on one sow who's going to have a litter. And if there's any complications, you know, find us at the hotel. 12 years old, right? And no other adult left. And my brother was only eight. And there we are on the little farm by ourselves. So I went up and there was a complication. So I phoned the hotel and have to ask my parents. And I spoke to my dad and he said, do this, this and this. And I did it. And 12 years old. So I hear what you say about riding in the back of pickups and all that sort of fun. Yeah. Well, and, and let's and let's be honest here in America, if that were the case, well, the age of 12 was kind of questionable. I was a latchkey kid at times. And there was a whole rule of if we call, we're going to hang up and then we'll call back. Then you can answer the phone. Right. <laughs> yes. right. right. Because it was yep. the whole code. But I mean, DCFS, could, you know, Child Protective Services could come in. If you were home alone, that was a no, no. Now, I mean, nowadays that would not go back then. Hold on. Mm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Uh, dear. Now, let's, um, let's talk about your books. Let's talk about your books. Um, and how people can buy them. How do people get a hold of them? Um, my books, I have My Days with the Dark Muse, which is a bass player's biography. Um, it is, it's a man's book. Uh, the reason why I'm kind of smirking about it is because I've had men tell me that they couldn't believe a woman wrote it. It's, it's kind of a dark, twisted tale. It's about a bass player who is a drug addict who he you're in his personal journal and you are going on this wild ride with him and there is a twist ending so i'll say that much if you pay attention you you know something's going on but it's a very dark twisted novel and it's it's written from a man's point of view and then the other one i have and this is a set, uh, standalone at this moment eventually it'll be part of the series is love is worth waiting for and this is a romantic suspense so um it's set in hollywood it's a celebrity book there's an actor an actress and a rock star and there's uh, a contract marriage and here comes my cat ah. <laughs> oh nice chloe yeah. um i made an appearance last time i think too peter um but anyway so love is worth waiting for is romantic suspense and it has some twists. It has a contract marriage. It has some things that, you know, a second chance romance. So I've been told that one. I mean, people have read both books in one day, but that one people start reading and they tend not to be able to put it down. And both are available on Kindle Unlimited. Um, okay. So very, right now they're very narrow lim uh, where you can get them. You can get paperback on Amazon or you can get paperback at my website. And those uh, my website are signed. Ah, very good. Yeah, I saw that on your website. So I've got a big burning question to ask you just now, but I want to go back a step. Most of your life, you've been involved in creative pursuits, but you also said you, you did a spell in insurance, right, as a claims mm -hmm. adjuster? Now that, that's a really dry, um, non-creative, academic-type occupation. How did you make that adjustment? Um, actually, I started out as a male file clerk in insurance, worked my way up to a receptionist and then went to the TV industry for a while. And I went through a temporary service to 
get a job. And they're like, oh, you're going to be in dispatch. I'm like, okay, no, I got picked to be an adjuster. And then I had three days of training and they're like, oh, don't worry. You're only going to do single car losses. So don't worry about it. Everything will be okay. Uh, the first day I get on the floor, I'm doing car insurance claims and it was two party claims. And the first claim I had was a parking lot accident. And the the person was mad at me because I didn't rule for my insured, but he wasn't paying attention, but that's beside the point. So I ended up, but as, as dry as it is, as dry as that job is, the one thing I loved about it, and it taught me, especially to be helpful with my writing is the investigation aspect, finding mm -hmm. fraud and in insurance claims and finding, you know, putting together how an accident happened and putting together news clippings, if you need it, those things were actually the interesting part of it that I thrived on. And, and, you know, my husband used to joke because I was passionate about it. I eventually moved to team leader and then claim supervisor. And that at that point, the job was no longer fun. It was just draining and exhausting. And I think I was close to a nervous breakdown at the end because of the stress. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I, Kathleen had a, a period in insurance too, didn't you? 15 Did you? years. Mm -hmm. What'd you do? I was a life claims adjudicator. Okay. So you were cars, I was life. <laughs> so we we had some pretty interesting cases. Oh, yes. You investigating, you know, fraud. Oh, yeah. Murders, mm -hmm. and I mean, dealing with murders. And yeah. Ooh. Uh -huh. I had the, I had the, chance to do commercial like that and i passed on it i did elevator escalator claims which could get nasty um completed operations home you know homeowners and like property liability i mean there was a whole gamut i did because in order to make money i don't know how it is in canada but in order to make money here you had to change companies to get promotions and to get mm -hmm. bigger titles and bigger pays so oh, really okay yeah hmm. Hmm. interesting and just as an aside, I sold life insurance for about a year and a half when I first went to South Africa in a, in a strange city where I didn't know anyone. It was not easy, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I imagine not. Well, here's a little life insurance story. Now, my husband's been gone for a year and three months. And yesterday, I got something in the mail that says, a prepared life insurance policy for him. And I'm like, well, that's awfully interesting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i got to ask you, Donna, in your long, um, long active life, career life, you must have met a huge number of people from so many different fields and and with your podcast you've interviewed all these people you've been talking about so on on, on your your experience what, what do you say is the most important i would would you call it a characteristic or an attribute or a habit that differentiates people who are basically competent and happy from the rest who are stressed and in the box as you put it is this a key thing it's hard to say because, I mean, I think for everybody, it's different. I mean, there's times when I'm in the box. There's times when I'm stressed. My husband always used to say, go with the flow. Now, mind you, he didn't always practice what he preached. But it's a statement that comes up sometimes on the podcast mm -hmm. from other guests. And, and when you think about it, if you actually step back and you don't let yourself get sucked into the drama of, you know, dare I say, a prime example would be I have a friend who she she had given up a daughter for adoption. She knows her now and it, they have a decent relationship, but her daughter did something that she wasn't happy about. So she was, she was texting me and she was just going on about her daughter and how her daughter wasn't doing this and her daughter wasn't doing that and da, 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 da. And because of the podcast, for the first time, I understood what go with the flow meant because I, I actually sat there and I said, 
you realize that you're, you're working yourself up over a situation you can't control, which I think that's very key. Mm -hmm. And you're putting your expectations of how she should behave on her when they're not her expectations. So therefore they're never gonna be met. Mm -hmm. So I think, mm -hmm. I think that's the other key. You have to look at, at your expectations of the situation and of people outside of you and be more accepting of, they're not going to be exactly how you envision it. You can manifest things, sure, but they're not necessarily going to be exactly how, thing, how you envision it. Yep. Well said. How do people contact you, Donna? They can contact me at dmneedham.com and soon for the podcast, it'll be better2podcast.com. Excellent. Okay, very good. So, and I have social media. All my social media links are on my website. So okay. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and even TikTok. I don't like TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's one we, I haven't, haven't got involved with. No, neither um, have I. No, not yet. Uh, I say not yet. No, I can only only handle so much. It, it's it, if you go there and you start watching videos, it can be a complete time waster. Yeah. Um, it's just it's not that I don't mind it. It's just I'm not totally comfortable with it. I can sit here and talk to you, but talking to the void, it's kind of like, uh, are you shouting into the void? Nobody's listening. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm still reluctant to do much on Facebook apart from business pages. I understand. <laughs> Which I find quite fun because it's short, it can be amusing and it's concise and it doesn't take much time. So true, true. I quite enjoy my little Twitter bits and pieces. Anyway, um, Donna, that was, that was great. So we will put your website details on the video for uh, and for the audio people on in our description so everyone can get hold of you and get your books and thanks for being on the show and thanks for having you Kathleen yes thank you very much Donna it was a it was a pleasure having you on the show and thank you all once again for tuning into our show we love reading your comments so keep those coming and uh, until next time everybody take care bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.